Welcome to Couch Lobsters, the film and series podcast made by amateurs for cinema enthusiasts. The concept is simple. We assign each other a film or a series to watch for each episode and keep our opinion secret until the day of the recording. Beware, this podcast is full of spoilers. My name is Jess. I'm Dima, and we are the Couch Lobsters. Dima, which movie do you want to start with today? Uh, the Faculty, which is your pick, or The Meg, which was my pick? Well, I think last time we started with my pick, which was uh, The Glory. So I think this time let's go with your pick, which is The Meg. Yeah, let's go with The Meg. Thomas Way. Megalodon. Wait, what? The Meg. Only in cinemas. Okay, The Meg was released in 2018. I'll give you some ratings because you love them. On IMDb, it's a 5.6 out of 10. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it's a 5.3 out of 10. So clearly not your masterpiece of the year. Yep, not even close. No, not even close. In terms of the um, box office, because I like those stats. Um, so the budget for the movie was $130 million. And worldwide, it grossed $530 million dollars. But interestingly, in US and Canada, it only made like 100, $145 million. So I'm guessing all of the other money came from somewhere else, aka China. Yeah, somewhere else. Well, that's kind of like what was what was shocking to me um, is the fact that the movie grossed $500 million, so half a billion dollars. Yeah. That movie. The movie that, you know, we're looking at, the, um, you know, Rotten Tomato IMDb, mm -hmm. the movie that has a five-star rating made $500 million. It was an absolute shocker when I saw the, the stats. It cannot be the only movie that's not got the best score but makes a lot of money. Mm. I'm thinking Marvel movies. Yeah, I guess you're right. There's probably more movies out there that do make, you know... A billion or half a billion dollars and probably have shit ratings on on imdb or rotten tomatoes definitely yeah definitely definitely was a shocker yeah it is shocking because it's a lot of money for something that's not amazing but we'll get into that the director is john turteltaub and he is known for national treasure one and two the movies with uh, nicolas cage jericho the tv series haven't seen it heard of it Cool Runnings, a movie about a Jamaican bobsleigh team, and then Rush Hour um, with Jackie Chan, if I'm not mistaken. You are not mistaken. Yeah, it is Jackie Chan, right? Uh, with... Yep. I forgot the other guy, though. Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker, that's it, yes. In terms of the cast, we've got Jason Statham as Jonas Taylor, then Lee Bingbing and Winston Chow. Um... Rain Wilson, who we might know from The Office. That's how I knew him. Dwight. Yes, Dwight Truth. Ruby Rose and Cliff Curtis, who currently 
I don't know if Avatar 2 is still uh, in the cinemas, but he was the chief of the water people tribe, if I'm not mistaken. Haven't seen it yet. Yeah, he wa- yeah, he was and if you're telling me that you haven't seen Avatar 2, I'm very surprised. Yeah. I mean, cuz most people probably You know what? I tried you tried to watch it. So the thing is, like it's only worth it to see it in 3D, right? Cuz that's you don't go for the plot, you go for the technical prowess of Avatar. But <laughs> I didn't want to go by myself. So 3D is already like fairly pricey. And um, basically, my partner just did not want to spend money to go see a movie that has no story. Even though the technical prowess might be amazing, he just didn't want to go. And I don't want to go by myself because I don't know how to get to the cinema. (laughs) Oh my god, that's crazy. But like, would you watch a movie by yourself? Like, would you go to the cinema? Let's say if you knew how to get something. I would if the cinema were closed. So, like, the cinema isn't that close to a house. Mm. Um, I'd have to take the train to go to the cinema. I'm not going to do that oh by my myself. God, it just seems like a... That's so funny. No, but, but like... like in, ge- in general, because, you know, like, there's people who who don't like watching movies by, by themselves. You know, I don't care. I watch so much stuff by myself. But I think going to the cinema is, like, I like it as an experience where... You go and maybe we have dinner somewhere around the cinema beforehand. I don't know. It's kind of like date night. I'm putting air quotes around that. But it's just something fun to be doing with someone as opposed to me watching stuff at home just because I want to watch them and he doesn't. Okay. Because that's a different story. But I think going to the cinema, it's fun to pick something that we might both want to see or I know I want to see and I I tell him, trust me, it's going to be good. I'm just going to the cinema, like, with me, I'm just going to the cinema. I actually prefer going by myself. Do you? Yeah, I prefer going to the cinema by myself. I don't like to sit in a cinema, and then somebody, you know, to the left or to the right of me, uh, like, hey, 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 what happened, what happened? I'm like, I don't know what the fuck happened. I'm watching the same movie as you are right now in the moment, so I don't know. Like, if I don't know, I don't know. So I don't like, you know, I, I don't like to be uh, distracted, disrupted. You know, like, I, I come to the cinema, I want to sit down, enjoy, watch the movie. And then after the fact, you know, after the movie is over, then, you know, we can have a chat about how, how good, how bad, you know, what happened in the movie. Like, in the movie, in the cinema, I'm, like, focused 100%. I'm very serious about my cinema. Clearly. <laughs> but, yeah. I don't think taking someone to the cinema is going to be a distraction. Oh, like, I it is. never has he come to me, oh, what's going on? What's going on? Yeah, okay. So, you're very lucky, I guess. I'm not the lucky guy. Okay. So, I get distracted all the time. So, I hate, hate, hate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, like, I'm okay with going to, to, to the cinema with somebody, but, like, that somebody has to... Sit there, be quiet, watch a movie, and then after the movie is done, you know, then we talk. Okay. Yeah, I, c- I can see that from the point of view of I don't want to be distracted. I don't want to be... That's why I don't love, love, love the cinema. I just... I don't like sitting with randos, and some of them can be, like, pretty disruptive. So, recently we went to see, I think, John Wick, um, and the people next to me just kept talking and talking all the time amongst themselves, 
And it's something I can't control because they're not part of, you know, my group of people. So, yeah, I will say something if it bothers me a lot. But it's also people eating crisps and just all the noises in the cinema. I just, it's not for me. I'd rather be at home and watch a movie and enjoy it in the conditions I want to enjoy it in. Um, rather than sometimes go to the cinema and your experience is wasted because the people were not respectful in, you know, the room with you. So I don't like that. But yeah, Dave is all right. He's never going to be like, oh, what's going on? What's the plot? I'm so confused. That, w- that would not be fun. All right, let's get on to the Meg 2. So it's going to be called the Meg Column, the Trench. And it's going to be released in August 2023. So August this year. And as far as the cast is concerned, so Jason Statham will be back. Cliff Curtis will be back as well. Paige Kennedy, who played the black scientist dude. And it seems like Lee Bingbing won't be back. Um, I tried to find information as to why. I couldn't really find anything pertaining to why she won't be in the shark. I did find a few things saying that she hasn't really been in a big movie since The Meg. I wonder if she's been in maybe Chinese movies, so we haven't heard about them. But I don't know. There's no reason her character wouldn't come back. So, And I guess them not releasing to the press a statement as to why she's not coming back is a bit fishy to me. We'll see. Maybe because she was critically acclaimed for her role in the first movie that... uh... Yeah, that's the funny thing, isn't it? She, she got an award, the Best Actress Award, for the Chinese American Film Festival in 2018, which I find hilarious, considering yeah. she's basically the worst thing about this movie, if you ask me. Yeah, she, she was, yeah, her performance in that movie was absolutely horrible, yeah. horrific. So, yeah, I have no idea how she won it. We'll get back to her. Okay. I have questions. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll go into this. Okay. All right. All right. Um, a few words about the genesis of the, pro- the project. So, this movie, The Meg, is based on a series of books uh, written by Steve Alton. The um, I actually re- read one of them to to be honest. Shocking. I think it's it was a random one in the middle of the series. So yeah, and it made no sense because I didn't know who the people were. They kind of explain it, but not really, and um, it was confusing. And this this shark is not. It's been captured. So it's a baby of the Big Meg, and it's been captured by scientists, and they have him in this. Uh, I want to say a zoo, but I don't remember if it was a zoo. But basically, people pay to come and, and see this massive megalodon baby, but still massive. So like a Jurassic Park for sharks. Yeah, kind of like a Jurassic Park. And so, of course, at some point, the shark is going to escape, and that's the premise of the book. Um, yeah, it's not going to win a Pulitzer Prize, but it's a book. Yeah, on on the fact that it's a book. Yeah. I was very surprised that it was even a book. And it was a funny, funny, I guess, funny story how I found out that it's even based on a book. You know, like I looked up when I'm preparing for the uh, podcast, I had a look at the um, what the genre for this movie is. So I've, I went to um, Rotten Tomato. It's a sci-fi mystery thriller action an adventure, right? IMDb just says action, horror, sci-fi. Um, official website for the movie says action, adventure, sci-fi, fantasy, suspense, thriller. Okay, none of the above. And then net Netflix, <clears throat> yeah, because I watched the movie on the net on Netflix. So that Netflix says action and adventure, 
comma, yeah. movies based on books. I'm like, whoa, 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 movie based on a book? The Meg? I was like, there's no way that's true. So I had to actually Google it. And funny enough, it is apparently true that it's based on 1997 book called Meg. Yeah, I was very surprised to find out that this movie was based on a book. Yeah, it is. And I'm wondering if maybe the second one is also going to... So if it's going to follow the series of books or if they are going to depart from the books. Um, we'll, I guess it's not like I'm going to read all of the books to see whether the movies are following the books. But I guess when the Meg 2 is going to come out, we're going to hear whether, yeah, it's also somewhat based on, on the second book in the series or if it's a complete departure it doesn't really matter. It does not, I think. No, based on what they did with the first one, I think it just doesn't matter. But, okay, so let's go back to the book. So, yeah, the guy wrote those books. And Disney was the first one to acquire the rights to the novel in 1996. And at the time, they commissioned Tom Wheeler, who wrote a screenplay for Puss in Boots and Dora and the Lost City of Gold, he was hired to adapt basically the book into a screenplay, but then the studio was not happy with the version of it. They didn't think it was good enough. And so they hired Jeffrey Bohm, who wrote The Lost Boys, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade and Lethal Weapon 2 as well to write a new draft. Um, but this script was also rejected for the same reason. They didn't think it was good enough. But that meant, so they didn't go ahead with the project, therefore the rights reverted back to Steve Alton, the author of the books. In 2005, there were reports that the project was now be being developed by New Line Cinema, and the budget, estimated budget at the time was $75 million, and they were planning to release the movie by 2006. At the time, they, com they commissioned... Guillermo del Toro as a producer and Jan de Bond as a director. Jan de Bond is known for movies like Speed and Twister, Minority Report as well, and a movie called The Haunting. I don't think I've seen that one. But basically this project never came to see the day, uh, light of day because New Line Cinema thought the budget kept increasing and it became too much and they just cancelled the whole thing. And again, it's Steve Alton that got the rights to his books back. And then in 2015, it was announced that Warner Bros. was going to go ahead with the project. And at first, they attached Eli Roth as a director. But due to creative differences, he was replaced Always. by John Turtletop. Now, we all know what creative differences might mean. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, it's John Turtletop who inherited the project in 2016. And then quickly after that, Jason Statham and then most of the, the cast joined in August and September of that year. Um, it has to be said that this movie is an American and Chinese co-production, which... No kidding, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Like, everything in this movie makes you think, yes, uh, China was bankrolling this movie. Not only are there Chinese actors, but also Chinese locations are hinted at. So Hainan Beach, for example. But I think they're talking about, they when they go to Shanghai, or they like, there's a scene in Shanghai at some point with a helicopter departing. So, yeah, China is all over this movie. Yeah, I agree with you. China is all, all over the movie. Like, and you can definitely, like, watching the movies, you can tell. Um, 
Yeah, especially like by that scene where they shot in Hainan. Yeah. F- fun fact that more than 2,000 extras were used for that uh, sequence uh, that was shot in Hainan in China. Okay. And another fun fact, I've actually stayed and lived in Hainan for about three months. And I had like in my, in those three months that I've stayed there, I, I, I didn't experience the kind of shot that they put in there where there were that many people. I, like, definitely you can tell that there's a lot of people, but not, not that many. Because, like, when you, when you watch that specific scene in a movie, it's like people were almost, like, piled on top of other people, and it's like, you know, back to back. I did not have that experience there. But I feel like we've experienced this in China. Um... Yeah, true. Like other places. So for me, it wasn't shocking because I thought that's literally what it could be. Because we've all seen pictures of people going to swimming pools in China and it's cramped. You don't have room to swim. You just have room to stand in your little patch of water, basically. And also traveling in China during like holidays, it was so crowded. So for me, watching that scene in Hainan Bay, I Hainan Beach, I believed it. I just assumed that could definitely be the case there could be that many and it wouldn't bother them because they're used to it so they would think this is fine (laughs) we've got a patch of sand yeah so but yeah it's it's good to know that it isn't that bad however i thought it was quite funny to be honest when i saw the the, that specific scene (laughs) that's china for you in a nutshell (laughs) just so busy uh, and then not seeing the problem with that either, just thinking this is a relaxing day at the beach. But yeah, but so you can tell that China is involved. And a funny thing about that is that when it's considered to be a full co-production under Chinese regulations, that means that the movie doesn't need to follow the same rules and quota systems and revenue sharing agreements that is usually applied to imported films. So I'm guessing this means it was a benefit for the movie that they could possibly get more money out of it. So I'm guess so if you're not a co-production, I think to screen your movie in China, you have to agree to get a certain amount of money based on how many, you know, cinema tickets are going to be sold, etc. But I think if it's a co-production, maybe you get more of that money as opposed to just being an imported movie. So yeah, it it's a smart move. Also, I'm guessing they had a lot of money put into this movie. Uh, China can have deep pockets when they want to. So yeah, probably a good thing for them because like you said before, it did make almost half a billion dollars worldwide. So good, good revenue there. <laughs> Trivia. I like those little trivia bits about the movie. So the first one is that Jason Statham is actually a very good swimmer or a very good diver. I don't know. Either way, you're good in water, right? And he uh, took part in the 1990 Commonwealth Games. He represented England in diving. And you can actually see that. I think on YouTube, you if you can find the footage. Um, so most of the scenes, like the shots of him in the water, are him doing the stunts. But for the more, let's say, audio stunts, a stunt double was used. So did you or did you not? I didn't go and check the footage like on YouTube. Because? I should probably, but I think he has hair still in 1990. And I don't like to see Jason Statham with hair. It's just bizarre to me. I just like him as a bold Jason Statham. Yes, we bold people are amazing. 
just an FYI. Yeah, I guess so. And that's why, like, like I said last time, I think I said that. I think the reason why you picked the movie because I look like him, right? You look like him. I look exactly like him. Yeah, but like based only on the fact that you bold or I don't know. You tell me. I think I just you know like a I could be his stunt double. <laughs> By that logic, a lot of people look like Jason Statham, but I could, <laughs> I could be his stunt double. Yeah. I think he's like very short compared to you because you're quite tall and I think Jason Statham isn't that tall so it would look a bit bizarre if you were his stunt double. Also, no offense, he is pretty muscular. Mm, yeah, I just need to go to a gym a few more times too, you know. Yeah. And he did, you remember that scene when, when he did take take his clothes off? Yeah. In a movie? And then Lee Bing Bing kind of walked in. Yeah, I didn't. I don't even remember that. How do you not remember? See, that's how much that movie imprinted my brain. <laughs> I just remember almost none of it. Yeah, and I've seen this movie so many times and I still like, what's going on between point A and point B? Point A being when the shark is released to point B when the end of the movie. I'm still fuzzy on the details in between just because we'll get into this. Okay, a few Fun facts about the shark itself. So in, in the books, the shark is, or like the megalodons, plural, because there's many of them, are pure white, almost luminescent. And that is due to them living, of course, in an environment with no light at all. But apparently the coloring was too difficult to render in CGI and it wouldn't look very realistic. And that's why they opted to go with like a normal white shark pattern with like the gray back and then the white belly but that coloration doesn't really make sense in an environment with no light because from what i've read before about sharks what great white sharks the white belly and the black the gray back is so sort of a camouflage uh considering that in open oceans the light still penetrates through the water so you would have light natural light in the ocean and therefore i think the white belly is to reflect the so if you're underneath the shark and you look up you see the white as you would see light above you but then the darker back color is because if you swim above a shark and look down you expect to see uh, darker colors so it's a camouflage thing but obviously that makes no sense if the shark the megalodon lived under the bottom of the trench so there's no light down there why would you have some sort of a camouflage that's supposed to mimic light I, it makes no sense but it's not the only thing that doesn't make any sense yeah because also in the book the the meg only attacks at night just because light daylight is hurting its eyes so it's very sensitive to light but again, in the movie, the Meg just, it's not very sensitive to anything. It doesn't matter to him that he's now, he used to live in complete darkness forever. And just now he sees daylight and he's fine. It doesn't affect its hunting or its killing capacity. Yeah, so on that, like, um, I think you just mentioned quickly the trench. So like, I guess the, the whole movie, right? The, the plot in, in, in short is about a group of scientists exploring the Mariana Trench, right? Yeah. And when I heard that in a movie, they were talking about the, the Mariana Trench. And I'm like, where did I hear that name? That's like a very, uh, you know, like one of those very famous names that you know of, but 
what is it famous for? Yeah, so I had to Google this, and yes, uh, Mariana Trench is in fact famous for being the deepest location on Earth, right? And which makes sense. Why would they find the Meg there, right? Mm-hmm. And another thing, well, underneath it, really, like below. Yeah, so it's like yeah, there's like a hidden layer, and because they find the Meg below what they think is the bottom of yeah, the trench, yeah. but yeah. And another thing, why the Mariana Trench is famous for is uh, apparently James Cameron, who is the Titanic director, Titanic Avatar piloted the submarine Deep Sea Challenger, we which. He had helped to design, which is even crazier, that he helped to design the the submarine down to 10,900 meters. So imagine going down 11 kilometers deep. Yeah, that's mental. So in the process of that, he established a new world record depth for a solo descent, which is crazy to think of that, you know, a famous guy like that, like a movie director, would even go to such dangerous... I don't want to call it stunt, but like going down 11, 11 kilometers. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. But it's also like he's, um, James Cameron is absolutely nuts about water. He loves water. He's obsessed with it. So it doesn't surprise me that he went and did that. It's still impressive because, yeah, I just, I don't like the idea of a submersible or a submarine at all um, to start with. Because of the lack of oxygen. Just like imagine anything, like the hole gets a tiny crack in it. And then, God forbid, your oxygen starts to deplete. Then pressure just rises and then you implode. Like all this stuff. It's I just hate it. I just hate that. So what you're saying is, A, you like to breathe? Yeah, I do. I just want to live. <laughs> yeah, so A, you like to breathe and B... You know, I want to breathe. Like I don't want breathing to be a... a a problem I have to solve every day of my life, just like engineering issues with breathing. No, I want oxygen to be around mm. me at all times and it being a normal thing, not a hurdle. Okay, so you wouldn't survive in space. I would not. I wouldn't. No, also space as like aliens and stuff. I just cannot. I just, no. Submersibles, okay. spaceships. So you're claustrophobic, are you? I don't know. I think like it's everyone, right? Would you like to be stuck, let's say, stuck in a coffin, buried underground, but alive, and you know your oxygen is depleting, but also you have no room to move? Like your body is in a set position and that's it, you cannot move? That is not for me. Yeah, but his oxygen wasn't depleting, right? So so he was supposed to have enough oxygen. I think it's... Like, it is, if you're buried in, like, a confined space. Uh, yeah, but they probably, you know, account for that when they're building a submarine that's supposed to go 11 kilometers deep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for the submarine. But in my scenario, you're in a in a coffin. Yeah, okay. So they don't build your coffin with, like... <laughs> okay, thank oh, you. Can you please replenish the oxygen? No, I do think it's impressive that Cameron did that. I also think he's got the money and he's passionate about it. Yeah, of course, he can do it. I'm more surprised from... from because he him being so famous. Yeah. yeah you, you know, like, you're passionate about it, but, like, putting yourself in such a, you know, very dangerous situation. But do you think it is dangerous? Like, if your submersible is reliable... At the end of the day, yeah, I think I think going eleven kilometers deep is fucking dangerous. See, it doesn't seem like that long. I feel like eleven kilometers is like oh, really? running for. <laughs> I think you can do that oh. in two. I don't know. Eleven kilometers isn't. It's like a short drive, right? So I don't understand. <laughs>
You don't understand why 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 eleven goes deep to me, but I'm terrible at judging. You don't understand why going down eleven. Eleven kilometers is nothing. I mean, it's not. Yeah, but like it's not it's not impressive if it were a linear yeah. thing. So if I walked from my house eleven kilometers. Nobody would write a press statement about that because it's, <laughs> press it's just, statement. yeah, it's eleven kilometers. May, People may, can maybe walk in this a local long. newspaper. But then, because upwards or downwards, no, I don't get it. Like, and I'm sure f- planes fly above that. So why is it so impressive if, if it's underwater? Especially if you have a submarine that you've designed and you know, because I'm guessing they tested it. I hope they tested it. So if they know it's gonna stand the pressure. Everything will be fine. Nothing. Sometimes stuff will happen, but like it's his decision to get in the submarine to start with. I don't really understand the danger. Okay, so. All but right. what is impressive to me is that they designed something that could go that deep. Because I'm guessing that's the hard part. I think it's to come up with the technology and the engineering specs to have your submersible or submarine, whatever it was. I'm guessing more submersible. To go that deep, because I think that was the challenge, as opposed to actually being in the submersible going that deep. I, I don't understand how that's a challenge. Because you're in a box, the thing is doing everything for you. Yeah, well, I think he was, uh, yeah, he had like two weights pulling him down, okay. which at the end, like once he got down, he pretty much, he released those weights. That's kind of like started going up, but yeah. I mean, it is impressive, like from engineering perspective, but yeah. It is impressive. Yeah. I also feel like I'm not an expert enough to understand the dangers that are linked to such a, an endeavor. I think for me, I'm just thinking of, well, you just have to be in a metal box that's going to take you down. I, I don't see where the problem okay. is. It seems simple enough. Yeah, But I'm sure simple, there's yeah. so much more behind <laughs> it's it. It's very simple. Just put it in a box and go 11 kilometers deep. <laughs> See, but to me, that means nothing. It's just something that's deep. All right. So I guess we can agree that uh, James Cameron is fucking amazing. And Mariana Trench is really fucking deep. The Mariana Trench is very deep. And if you could hide a megalodon, it would be somewhere in the Mariana Trench. Yeah, of course. That's where all the evils lie. Another fun fact about the shark, since we're on the Megalodon, is that the director, at some point, thought it would be a good idea for the shark to make some sort of a growl or a roar prior or after an attack, which I feel like maybe he thought, well, the shark is such a big monster, he needs to have some sort of identifying features, such as a big loud noise. Much like the T-Rex in Jurassic Park. But, like, it's a shark. I don't think fishes <laughs> make a lot of, you know, noise. They don't speak. I don't even think they have vocal cords. I don't know. Again, not a scientist. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that was a stupid idea. I'm, I'm very glad they shot him down and said, no, that's that's not going to work. Um, I think the identifying features for a shark is usually the fin, like the dorsal one, yeah. and then the teeth, like the mouth. And I think, yeah, you don't need a growl or a roar. It's more so the stalking of the prey, etc., that makes it unique. But yeah, it's just bizarre that you would think that that's that's a genius idea. Let's let's do that. Um, another another little nod to the book is when so the little girl Mei Ying, she encounters a megalodon for the first time when she's in playing in the scientific facility place. And she's wearing like little wings, like an angel outfit kind of thing. 
I don't know if you remember. But basically in the book, the main Megalodon, so like the big one, the mom, is called Angel. Mm. So I suppose that was a little nod. Mm. Yeah, like very interesting because right in those scenes, because later in the movie we find out that there's actually two Megalodons, right? I guess I have questions about that. So we don't know at that point where we see that little girl and then the, the, the Megalodon. Was it the the main one? Or, like, which one of them was it? Because, like, yeah, we find out later on that there's... I two. also am very confused about how many sharks are. So, I've yeah, a few questions about that. But I think when she sees that shark, it's the big, big one. Mm, the main one, okay. So the one that's going to stay alive until the end of the yep. movie, basically. I think she sees the very big Megalodon, but it, for some reason, later on, he decides that he's not going to attack the boat and all that just yet, let the other one do it. But so I think she sees the big, big one because it's massive, the one she sees, isn't it? Yeah. It's just like rips through a whale like it's nothing. It's super big. So I think she sees the, the main the main one, a.k.a. Angel in the book. Okay. So it's a fun fact. Um, Ruby Rose also almost drowned on the set, which is not a funny fact at all. It's kind of scary because I did watch a feature on the Blu-ray of, you know, the extras and they explained how they filmed the water scenes, a lot of them. A lot of those were shot in New Zealand, in studios in New Zealand, but basically uh, they had like a massive tank of water to film a lot of the scenes and I think it must have been in that setting that it happened. Because I remember reading something about her that there was a scene where she's on a boat and she's she's hit and falls into the water. I feel like it happens twice to her, though. So I don't know which one. But I think that's when she... It was only one time. It was right after... Okay, well, that's during that scene then. Yeah, it was uh, the scene where they already captured that first Megalodon. And it's like they dragged it to the boat, right? And then when that first Megalodon is hanging on the boat, and then the second one, the big one, you know, the main one comes in and he yeah. rips through the through the first one. And then the boat gets flipped over then that's where everybody gets into the water. Yeah. I think that that was the only scene seen with her. Yeah, but I feel like she ends up in the water a few times because at the end, they, they're also hunting the big, big one and they all on the... And the helicopter comes crashing down on that boat and so they all jump in the water or they all fall in the water and I think she's been in the water mm. more than once Could at be. this point. I but I don't know exactly which one... Which scene was the one that she almost drowned in? However, that would have been a scary experience. I'm uh, glad she was okay, of course. Um, okay, next. Before, sorry, before we move on, uh, on the Ruby Rose. So what I uh, found a fact, fun fact, actually, that she actually studied everything that, like when she was younger, she studied a lot and everything pretty much she could find about Megalodon, which was like very interesting that she did. Wait, before she signed for the movie, or yeah, yeah, as 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 a young person, oh. sort of as a youngster, she actually studied. Yeah, but megalodons don't exist. Well, I mean, they did. They did like several million years ago. They did, but like no longer. But, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Her being Aussie, you know, and we have a lot of sharks here in the land down under. So yeah, yeah, I do understand the fascination if you live in Australia or anywhere in the world, really. I think. Sharks are fascinating. Um, okay, good to know. 
So she knew about Megalodons before doing yeah. a movie called The Meg. I know. <laughs> Always useful. A few, so a few little nods to Jaws, because it's very hard to make a shark movie and have it not compared to Jaws. I think Jaws is like the benchmark for shark movies. So, of course, there always are a few nods to Jaws whenever directors attempt to make a shark movie. In this one, there are a few. The director, John Turtletab, never wanted to say what they were. He alluded to the fact that, yes, there were nods to Jaws, but wouldn't say exactly what they were. Um, a few of them would be, apparently, that in the book... No, not in book, in the movie Jaws... There's a scene where there's a mother uh, and a son on a beach and basically the mom doesn't want the son to go to, in the water but he ends up going and I think he dies in Jaws, he gets eaten by the shark. And there's a scene in this movie, The Meg, where at the end on Sanya Beach there's a mom and her little son, he wants to go swimming, she says no but then she says yes. And apparently the homage here is that both... Uh, women, uh, mothers are wearing a similar style of bathing suit. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not because I don't remember the swimming suit that the mother in Jaws was wearing. But also, it's not something I would have clocked at all. I don't think there's anybody who would pick this up, you know, like after watching the Meg. Well, maybe like mega fans, you know, they'd be, oh, it's the same. But then I also think so the swimsuit the mother is wearing it's like a very chinesey style of swimsuit where they have like a almost a little dress kind of style do you know what i mean yeah, so it's not just I, I it's not a bikini mean. it's like yeah it's like a full swimsuit with a little skirt but wouldn't those kind of like the the swimsuits back in like whenever the the jaws were shot because jaws is, is an old movie itself right it's old it's 1975 yeah, so i think that was the the yeah that was the style of swimsuits swimsuits back then as well yeah but that's my point i think i'm trying to say that chinese swimsuits most of them are very old-fashioned <laughs> i don't think if it was intent no but you know what i mean so i don't think the director maybe intended this similarity i think it's just the style of swimsuits in china is basically the swimsuits we used to wear in 1975 because <laughs> it is <laughs> but so i don't know if it's an actual Relations to like draw. smart yeah. move on the director's part. Yeah, I don't know. So yeah, I'll leave it up to audience to, to decide. Yeah. To decide. But no, do you not agree though? Um, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you. Because like Chinese swimsuits can be a little old-fashioned, and because they don't like to tan so much, they always wear like very covering ones as well. Yeah. Anyways, another little nod to draws would be the okay, and I disagree with this, but. So they say that the way the Meg is hunting the prey is uh, hits prey because there are many is similar to the way the shark in Jaws is hunting its prey as well. So they say yeah, it plays a cat and mouse game. It's swimming beneath the boats or beneath the swimmers. But wouldn't we agree that's just basically what sharks Any movie, do? Yeah, yeah, they do, they didn't do that just in Jaws or just in the Meg. That's what they do. So I disagree with this one. Um, there's apparently a nod at the fact that in the movie Jaws, at some point, the chief, so Chief Brody, is trying to shoot at the shark with a rifle. And in the Meg, there is a scene where Jason Statham is trying to, so basically to shoot the shark with a rifle, but just to like shoot a tracker, not to shoot, shoot him. They just want to place a tracker on the fin. 
But so yeah, apparently that's a nod as well, again. Maybe, not convinced, I don't know. Um, there would be a nod apparently in the way that the shark in both Jaws and the Meg at some point will attack a beach. So there's a scene with a beach, a crowded beach, and the shark attacking that beach and swimming under, you know, beneath the swimmers and all of that. This one, I do agree with it a bit more because I think a lot of shark movies don't have a beach scene. A lot of shark movies have like scenes in open oceans, etc. But some of them don't necessarily have like the the one scene with a crowded beach and happy tourists and all of a sudden a shark attacks. And so with this one, I think I agree a bit more. Yeah, I think if you want to make it more towards, you know, real life scenarios, it would have to be on a beach. Because again, in Australia, lots of beaches, lots of sharks, lots of shark attacks, and they usually happen at the beach you know, surfers swimming. So I think it's like, if you want to make it more realistic, you would bring it to the beach. I don't think if I agree with, you have to make it more realistic because I think there are shark movies that are okay realistic, but that don't take place near a beach. So it's like a shark tracking survivors of like a, a boat sinking or something. And so they escape, but then they get tracked by sharks they are in the open ocean and it wouldn't make sense to include a beach scene because that isn't where the movie is set. And yet I do think it's still realistic because it's it's kind of this cat and mouse game. So they are on, let's say, a little raft and they are waiting for help, obviously, to come and you just see those fins all the time, circling and circling. For me, that's realistic as well. I don't need a beach scene to make a movie about sharks realistic. But I do agree that it's also realistic if you are close to the beach. If the setting is close-ish to a beach, then at some point, yes, the shark will probably go to the beach. But wouldn't you want, like, a shark? Because I would expect shark, you know, um, to make a lot of damage, eat a lot of people, to make it, like, more exciting, you know? Make a lot of damage. That's what a, you want. Yeah, eat a lot of people, and then where yeah. do you get that? At the beach, you know, where there's, like, a bunch of innocent swimmers swimming around. So, to me, that's kind of like the the best way to you know to get the people to eat the okay, people. Okay, so for you, yeah, a, a good shark movie would have a beach scene. Yeah, definitely. Okay, agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> um, another one it would be the boat assault. So in both movies, Jaws and The Meg, there is an attack on a boat uh, by a shark, and I think we can all agree that's accurate. Although I don't think it's just. Jaws and the Meg. I think in some other shark movies, also there's going to be a boat attack by a shark. And yeah, but yeah, it's true that in this movie, I think the Meg attacks a boat. I want to say it twice, but the second time it's not really, but it's more by mistake with the helicopter. So yeah. All right. So I think that I'm caught up with all my facts about the movie. Did I? Oh yeah, I did say that Li Bingbing won an, an award for this one. So that brings me to the questions okay. I have for you about this movie. Yes. And since I'm on Li Bingbing, I'm going to start with this one. What do you think about the chemistry between Statham and Li Bingbing? I think, I think it was non-existent, to be honest. There wasn't much happening. Like the one, There was one scene where I think she kind of first walked in on him right after he saved her the first time I believe like Jason Statham was like being uh he was changing so he was like half naked she walked in very like innocently oh like oh oh oh, oh you're naked and 
Yeah, so, like, beyond that, there wasn't much happening. Like, her daughter was telling him that, like, hey, my mom likes you, but also nothing was happening. So, I think it was, like, very, very superficial. I think you're being super nice. I am nice. Because I thought their whole relationship was so cringy and forced and just horrible to watch on screen. I don't... I. I don't think there's any chemistry between them two. No. And I understand that as actors, you have to pretend. But you can tell, you can tell there's zero chemistry, zero... I, I don't I don't mean to say that they have to be attracted to to each other to play the role of, you know, lovers, etc. But, like, you can tell that there's nothing, nothing going on between them two. It's just horrible to watch. Yeah, I think it just comes from her giving a bad performance overall you know and all her yeah. scenes so i think her her first off i i think you can tell she is not used to learn lines in english so i think the delivery mm. of her lines yeah. is very as if she had learned everything by heart but she doesn't stress the right syllables or the right words and and it just comes off as like if google translate was reading the script <laughs> to her and she was learning it via Google Translate or something. I just didn't think... She wasn't believable at all. Mm. She wasn't good as far as portraying emotions at all. Like, I, I don't believe anything at any point. Like, even when she loses her dad, I'm just not sad. I don't believe it. She's not very good. And I think he does... That's the thing. I do think he tries his best yes. to make yeah. it work. Yeah. But he knows it's not good. And there's only so much he can give. And I think he has way more chemistry with the little kid in the sense that if it had been a relationship like father-daughter kind of mm. thing, where the little kid had lost her mom, and so he comes and just takes her under his wing, that would have worked more for me than this non-existent love story that also, it just takes a lot of screen time. Like We don't care about the little... Like you said, the scene where she goes into his room and he's just came out of the shower and so she's all, I don't know, she's all shy and just doesn't know what to say and loses all her means. Oh my God, I hated, I hated it. Yeah. And it takes forever. It's just so long. All their relationship is bullshit. Yeah, so like on the screen time, right? So the movie, actually, it's almost two hours long, which I think it's probably way too long. That is yeah, long. Which is probably way too long. I think you can fit definitely like it's, like in a 90 minute, 90 minute would be more than enough for that movie. Just cut yeah. all of Lee Bingbing <laughs> and it's good. Because <laughs> she, for me, is the worst, yeah, worst thing. Yeah. Like there are many problems with this movie, but for me, she is the worst casting choice. Yeah. I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't get why she got the part because she cannot act at all. Yeah. Not in English, actually. Like, and I'm... I've never seen a movie with her in Chinese, so I don't know if that's just the way she acts or if it maybe it was a language barrier problem. And therefore, maybe she needed either more coaching or just don't take that role because you can't bring what, what you need to. Oh. Their chemistry was, for me, the most cringy. And I remember at the time when we went to see it in the cinema, that is what I remember thinking, like... That was so cringy. This relationship just, yeah. it wasn't happening. You don't believe for one second that Statham is in love with her mm. or her in love with him. Just fucking stupid. I'm glad we agree. Um, okay, what are your thoughts regarding the ever-changing size of the shark? I don't know if you remember posters for this. Well, actually you do because I sent you one. 
So the shark on the posters and all the marketing looked massive. And when I say massive, I mean it could have swallowed 20 people whole just by opening its mouth. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That big a shark. And then in the movie, I'm sorry, but the shark doesn't seem that big. And I also think it changes size to fit the plot. There are points where it's not that big and then points where it it is massive. Yes. Yeah, so, and I don't know if you had thoughts on that. Yes. So I think, you know, playing, I guess, devil's advocate here. So I think it could be multiple sharks. Because I think it, uh, there was a scene with Ruby Rose where she was explaining what happened. How did they get out? There's apparently some, some bubble burst or something. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, like 20 sharks could have got out of there. So she, I think she, she says like a big number. I think it was like 20. And she, she says like, oh, hey, 20 sharks could have cut out of there. So it could be. Okay, I don't remember she said that. Yeah, it could be that there's actually several ones, several that did get out. And then the scene where we, uh, where they captured one of them on the boat, right? And then they hang it. Mm-hmm. And w- that's when the second one, the main one kind of comes out. So the the first one that they capture, it doesn't look that big. Yeah, I agree with you. But then the second one that comes out, that the one that also, um, I think that's the the same one that also eats the whale in half. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that could be the the one, maybe the one that they're supposed like put it at the poster, right? The main one. You see, but this isn't really explained in the movie. Like when they captured the first one and it was on the boat and they think, yeah, awesome, we got it. And then a second bigger shark comes and eats that first one. I thought, I didn't think there are two megalodons because as far as the movie is concerned, they always told me there was only one megalodon. So I thought it was just a big white shark, like a massive one. So it's not very clear. Yeah, it's not clear. I agree with you. The only thing that, you know, that point where Ruby Rose says, like, because there was like a big burst, uh, opening bubble thing, whatever. And she said, oh, 20 sharks could have yeah. got out of there. And, you know, maybe that's how they're going to tie it to the, I mean, maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's how they're going to tie it to the, uh, the second movie. Well, yeah, because. That like a several sharks got out. Yeah, because I think if they were to follow the books, the main one can't be dead because that's the mom and then there's babies, right? So at the end of this movie, they kill a Megalodon. Mm. And so by all accounts, how can there be a second movie if they kill the main one? Unless the main one that we thought was the main one was a baby, but then the mom is still beneath the surface, uh, beneath the Mariana Trench thing. The thermocline, that also <laughs> made no sense to me. But yeah, I just, I, to be honest, when I first saw the, post- the posters for this movie, I was so excited because I expected a big, big, big shark. Yeah. And I don't think you get that. You get, a shark. at some point, yeah. you get like a big fin coming off the water and you think, oh, the shark must be massive, but... It didn't look that big. No, it doesn't look massive, massive. It's not what the poster sold me. So I was disappointed and then... Yeah, I don't think that the the size of the shark makes sense because I think it changes too often to fit the scenario at certain points. Yeah, I, it was disappointing for me. I just wanted a big, big shark. A bit like in Jurassic World, the, the dinosaur that eats the, the white shark. Yeah. I wanted that kind of size. 
I didn't get that, so it was disappointing. Well, maybe just maybe that's why you have to come back to the cinema in August of this year and watch Meg Meg Two. You know the trench. Actually, on that, um, on that, the author, mm-hmm. you know, Steve Alton, he said that um, he told us to expect interest in his dark tone. So and potential for R rating in the second movie. So, you know, fingers crossed. Okay, but then I would see that. Yeah. Because that's one of my criticisms about this movie. I think for a shark movie, there's barely any blood. Yeah. I don't know you, but I feel like there's no tension. There's no... I am surprised one of the tags was like horror. Because for me, you see no one eaten really by the shark you kind of it's inferred that they died and were eaten but you don't see real core shark attacks it's just not that great in terms of attacks yeah because it was pg-13 yeah but that's a problem for a shark movie if i i love a good shark movie but i'm very picky i don't like stupid i don't like sharknado that for me doesn't do it i want a core cat and mouse shark attack movie and I think this one didn't deliver no. at all on any of those fronts. There wasn't really, really any cat and mouse. And then the attacks are, are like so PG, just so boring to watch. At no point am, am I, you know, biting my fingernails thinking, oh, this is disgusting. I don't want to watch. It just doesn't happen. There's no blood. There should be blood in a shark, in a shark movie. Sorry. It should not be PG-13. So I'm excited actually to see... The next one, if it's rated 16 plus or something. Yeah, if if they're actually going to make it dark, you know, with a dark tone and R rating, that could be interesting. Yeah, definitely. I hope so. I really hope so. But I'll, I'll still go and see it. I love the state and I love a shark movie. What, for you, are like the biggest plot holes in the movie? Um, I don't know, to be honest. Uh... Are you kidding me? You don't know? There's so many, so many plot holes. Uh, I don't know, you're putting me on the spot here. Um, The biggest plot hole, the biggest plot hole. Yeah, I don't know. I th- I... Well, let's start with the science. The science? You mean the science behind the Mariana Trench? I mean, it's a, it's a sci-fi. So, like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that one I can get behind, yeah? It's a sci-fi movie. No, so I mean it's... more... I wouldn't call it plot holes. It's just, you know, imagining something. And, uh, yeah. I don't know if it's a plot hole. If it's a sci-fi, it's a, it's a sci-fi. Because, like, on, on, actually, like I said, on all Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, and an official website, they do point this movie being a sci-fi. Yeah, but that's stupid. Um, no, I don't mean the science behind, so, like, the team of scientists trying to explore the Mariana Trench, because that kind of makes sense. Like, I'm sure at some point people, people right now are fascinated by it and would like to explore it. I mean more the science behind how the shark is coming back up and surviving in waters that are a completely different temperature to what it's used to. Uh... Or even daylight. Daylight. I don't know. I mean, it's like it just plays into the whole sci-fi, you know. Like, because if you think about again, okay. So you're gonna excuse all the plot holes, saying it's science fiction, so therefore it does. I'm sorry, but good science fiction explains stuff with existing theories. It doesn't just say, "Hey, it's science fiction." You don't need to know the hows and whys. Uh. Well, after all, this movie is rated. 
I mean, rated five out of ten, right? So I mean, there's a reason for that. It is. And then you know, on the Rotten Tomatoes, it's forty six percent. So again, there's a reason for that because it's shit. It is shit. So my my question to you, dude, why? Did you pick this movie? Is it just because? Is it just because the the second one is coming out? No, well, partly, but also I think okay, it's it's not a good movie. I can't say it's a good movie. Um, I will do my top three plot holes. So someone does. For example, for me. Okay. Yeah. All right. Do it. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Well, a lot of things don't make sense, but it doesn't make sense that if if the two sharks that came up to the surface were two megalodons. It doesn't make sense that they only knew about one and only one was tracking. So when Jonas is in the water the water, and he's trying to track to shoot one to track him, it doesn't make sense that the other one isn't around as well hunting. I, I, None of it makes sense. If there were two sharks that had swam up to the surface, they would have seen, I think, Angel when she was, uh, sorry, Maying, when she was playing with the research facility and she saw the main one eating the, the whales, I think if both had been released, both would have been around. She would have seen two sharks. It wouldn't just be one shark. It just makes no sense. I think it's a massive plot hole that they hunt down a shark, kill the shark, tie it up on the boat, which also, if it were a megalodon, it wouldn't fit on a stupid fucking boat like that. It's a, such a small boat. It's clearly not a megalodon, but... You thought it was. I didn't think it was. I thought it was just a big, white, great white shark. But now I'm thinking maybe it was meant to be another megalodon. I don't know. <laughs> and then the big one jumps out. What, the, what is going on? How could they not notice a massive, massive megalodon? His fin would have been out of the water before he jumped on the onto the boat to eat the other shark. Oh, fuck off. None of it makes sense. Yeah, so actually, like, that's probably... Yeah, okay. That's probably what surprised... Yeah, I guess you could put, put it as a plot hole. What surprised me is that they haven't seen the second shark. Meaning, like, on a boat, you know, like, with the whole detect and stuff, the radars, it should have picked up a huge thing like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess it could be like a plot hole. Like Definitely. why haven't they seen, like they probably have some sonars, radars and stuff like that that should pick up like big, big. And it's so big. Yeah. But also another plot hole and that one is annoying. So at the very beginning of the movie, the there's a team of scientists, they go deeper than the cloud, the thermocline, whatever it's called at the bottom of the trench and they go beneath that and they get trapped because they get attacked by... I think the Megalodon. Um, and so one part of the, the scientists that's at the surface, they decide we're going to go and call Jonas because he knows how to deal with this. And why they go and fetch him, which they say the people at the bottom of the trench, they have 18 hours worth of oxygen, right? They go and fetch him in Thailand. Now, I don't know where the fuck they are, but I'm fairly sure the back and forth journey was at least six hours long. And I'm being generous here. Like, I think it was longer than that. So they've already wasted six hours. They waste another two hours trying to convince Jason Statham, who's apparently drunk, lulls, um, to come with them. So they've wasted at least 10 hours doing that to come back to the facility and talk him through all of the stuff he has to do, wasting even more hours. That makes no sense. Just don't go abroad to get someone. You have lim a limited time frame. But it's not even the worst thing. The worst thing is that, meanwhile, 
Li Bingbing's character decides she's gonna go and rescue the people, and she goes down in this little tiny submersible that's basically one Person. glass ball. <laughs> Why didn't she take the submarine that Jason Statham is gonna take after she's left? So when she decides to go and help, there are many submersibles available, and she chooses the smallest one? Why? Yeah, now that I think about, like, where would she even fit three people in there? What was her plan? It makes no sense. <laughs> it makes no sense. That is so bad. I don't understand. And it's just, obviously, they're setting up the whole, he rescues her. Mm. And, no, because that's even worse. She goes down, she gets attacked by a giant squid. Which I like that. I didn't expect that when I saw it. So I was like, ooh, a cool creature. Um, and then he comes down and she just goes up. So why was that scene even in the movie? It served zero purpose. Because he could just have gone down, saved the people, go, gone back up. The shark was still going to come back up to the surface. They only needed him to go back up for that. So why is that scene in the movie at all? Why... Are we focusing on leaving Bing? For me, that's just nonsense. I don't understand it. So that's top one for me. Top two would be like how they can they can't even notice there's a bigger shark than yeah. what they are hunting. It doesn't really make sense to me that they wouldn't know. And I think I don't like it's not really a plot hole, but for me, at the end when the shark is stalking the beach. I don't understand why the shark... There's almost zero deaths. Nobody dies. A few people die off-screen, I'm guessing. But you you don't see shark attacks. And I'm thinking, if it were this massive shark, it would just eat people like little croquettes, like a cat. Just Because there's so many people in in those waters. And he's just there. And he must be hungry, because he was living... Oh, I guess, no, he was eating giant squids before. But anyways, it doesn't make sense to me that there's this massive, massive shark and there's not one attack going on. That's such a wasted opportunity for me, for a shark movie, to have a massive beach frantic scene and you don't have that because the shark just swims under the people. Yeah, so that's kind of like, with the whole movie, like my biggest, uh, well, one of the biggest complaints is the fact that, you know, there wasn't enough action thrill you know scare moments yeah i don't think it delivers so maybe you know like i said maybe for the second one if they if they go more dark and like r-rated movie maybe they could be a bit better but yeah this one's complete shit yeah what do you think it would have been interesting to see eli Roth's um version because he was attached to the project before they took on john turtletaub and Eli Roth is known for horror, so I wonder if what he would have done would have been better. Like, I I feel like it would have been better. I don't wonder. I think it would have been better. But it would have been more gory. And I think maybe that's why the studio didn't want him, because they wanted, they wanted China's money, and China won't release something that is rated mm. 16 plus, I think. Yeah, maybe. I also think it would have been cool to see to see the version of produced by Guillermo del Toro cuz i think that would have been an interesting take on the on the books yeah but it wouldn't be i don't think it would be you know dark and gory and i think it would still be you're kidding me no, with guillermo what... del toro yeah what did he i think he would the... have been super cool super dark mm-hmm. super twisted i think you're wrong mm, i could be wrong 
<laughs> Do you, were you happy that the little dog uh, didn't die at the end? I didn't care. I was actually more happier probably when when it got eaten, and then when because I don't remember that specific scene from when when I watched it the first time. So I watched it the second time just now, and I'm like, oh, the dog didn't die. I'm like, okay, whatever. I would probably be more happier, you know, like if there was a darker moment where the dog would die and that's it, you know, and everybody would yeah. die. I think that's the main problem with it's a shark movie that doesn't deliver on shark attacks. There's nothing. I wasn't stressed at any point. I kind of actually foresaw who was going to die and who wasn't. So mm. when Rain Wilson, Dwight Roode, uh goes with his team of... Um, special ops like black ops and they go and hunt the shark at night and they drop the bombs and they kill this massive whale and you know he's about to die you're like oh he's not gonna survive the night and so he falls from the so that's also fucking stupid he tells them just go go because they know that's not the shark and then they go very quickly and therefore he falls off the boat because he wasn't holding on to anything like seriously and then yeah just climbs onto the whale and just get eaten but again you see nothing just no blood nothing i you're not stressed because you know exactly what's gonna happen you know it's gonna die mm. same with lee bingbing's father who uh dies not eaten by the shark but just dies because of an injury i guess i don't even remember i think he was injured falling off the boat or something yeah, don't care. Also figured he would die, but also wasn't attached to the character enough to care. Yeah, just everything for me is so predictable and that's not what I need from a shark movie. What I need from a shark movie is tension and attacks that leave me perplexed because <laughs> I didn't expect them at all. Yeah. Um, but even stupid movies, like I don't know if you have seen A Deep Blue Sea, but it's not, it doesn't make a lot of sense. There are plot holes. But yeah, it's very satisfying to watch because the attacks are really inventive and fun and gory. And just that's what I want. Yeah, I don't remember that. Even Jaws. I feel Jaws was a bit more bloody than this one. So yeah. Jaws had really good music. I think Jaws was also like with the... um the all cinematography there like that the music you know the tension like those te the tense moments i think that's mm -hmm. that was pretty good and that's kind of what was missing here right yeah but it's spielberg i mean yeah. we're comparing apples and potatoes here <laughs> um yeah i don't i don't think this was a good shark movie and it was a massive letdown but i think for me the, the worst part of it all was li bingbing i think she just ruined the movie i'm not saying everyone is great but at least you can see that statham is trying and he's having so much fun i feel like you can tell on screen that he's he's delivering his lines with a little smirk and i think he's just he doesn't care he just did a fun movie for himself made a shit ton of money probably probably a shit ton of money but i don't know it just looks like he's having fun whereas some of the others yeah i don't think ruby rose is great uh, very believable as a scientist with yeah. like a haircut that looks like a nemo face from 2002 yeah i think she like she in that movie she seems she didn't do like anything no she doesn't yeah, she looks very badass and you know the fact that she didn't do anything there and was just like 
I didn't care about her at all. No, same. I kind of liked the scientist who... So, like, the one who looks like Thor, like a, a Viking, the big one, he gets eaten, I think, because he's in the water and they have caught a shark and they thought it's the Megalodon. So, oh, yeah. he's in the water and he makes jokes about being in the water and then he gets yeah, eaten yeah, by yeah. the Megalodon. I liked him for a little bit. I like Cliff Curtis, but I think just because he has a good face and he's an actor that I like regardless of what he's in. Um, yeah. I don't care much. I think the little girl just is annoying because I don't think eight-year-olds would just behave like that around a strange man they've never encountered before. It's just weird. I don't understand how... So, and that's a massive plot hole for me. The very beginning of the movie, it's Jason Statham rescuing some kind of a crew in a submarine deep down. We don't know where they are, but they're deep in the waters. And during the rescue, something hits... The, submer- the submarine they're in or the submersible and so that's why Jonas like cut the rescue short and leaves and so he k- sacrifices a bunch of people in the submarine so that they can close the hatch and just escape the other the one the rescued ones but so basically after that event he it, straight away was like oh we were attacked by a megalodon and I don't understand why that would be your first thought if you were attacked and couldn't even see what was outside because it's not like they they have windows and they can see outside of the submarine to see what attacked them so he just sees the walls a bit caving in and after that oh it's a megalodon of course what Uh, based on what based on what science are we implying well well he did have to go to that submarine somehow, right? So that's just us, like, so you just assumed that he was in that submarine to begin with. No, 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 so... If he was doing a rescue, if he was doing a similar rescue and he was going down to that submarine using another submarine, so maybe he saw a big shark... Is bullshit because then he wouldn't have attempted the rescue. You would have said, "Oh, but there's a megalodon. Maybe let's abort this one." No, he doesn't know. He just he says that based on the one knock that made the walls cave in, and he's, "Oh, it's a megalodon. It's a megalodon." Fuck off. Based on what? Nobody has ever seen one. Nobody would ever think that's definitely something that's gonna attack me. Well, it he makes made, no he, sense. He could, have, he could have seen a big shark, you know, on his way down to, to the submarine. And he thought, hey, maybe. I don't think that's implied or even the... No, I think that makes no sense. And that he's convinced that... Oh, that he, maybe if he said it's a giant squid, I would believe that because we know those exist. Megalodons are dead. They're extinct. So why would you think, oh, it's a megalodon that attacked me for sure? That makes no sense, buddy. Just take a chill pill. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't understand that at all. And because that's one of the main reasons they asked him to come and help with the scientists later in the movie. It's because he encountered an unknown creature before and he knew it was a megalodon. Why is everyone so quick to believe it's a megalodon? Megalodons are dead. I'm sorry. It makes no sense. No, they they didn't hire him for that. They hired him because he's good at rescuing people. No, but they kind of did. They said he's very good at rescuing people at those deaths. Yeah. But also, he's encountered. I don't think they said that. An unknown creature before. I feel like they do. I feel like that's implied that they kind of ask him because 
he might know what hit the other submarine at the bottom of the trench. No, I don't. Th- I don't think they see that. I don't think they even know that. They they find out about Megalodon. They know because that's why he was called crazy. That's why the doctor. Yeah, but the, told yeah, he- that, that's why he was called be, being called crazy because he he saw he that because he saw a megalodon, but nobody believed him, right? But they don't know. He never saw it. He assumed it was a. Me- that's my point. He never saw the megalodon. He just said it was a megalodon, and nobody believed him because he had no proof. But of course, nobody believed him. I wouldn't believe him. Why would you believe him? He never saw it because that's my point. Nobody, so the doctor called him crazy. And I'm like, yeah, of course, I would call him crazy. He saw, he pretended, no, he didn't see he saw one. He he was like, I know we've been attacked by a megalodon. It's just fucking silly, honestly. It's like if I heard like a massive noise during the night, couldn't see what it was, but told him, yeah, I'm fairly sure that was a velociraptor. I mean... Based on zero science or the fact that they're all dead. No, I'm, I'm sure it was. And then, of course, people are going to say, you're a bit mental. It just makes no sense. But I wonder if in the books it's the same thing. if Or if in the books they explore why he thought he had seen a megalodon before everybody was aware they still existed. I don't know. Don't think I'm going to read that book anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. So that's where I stand on this one. I think, though, as far as bad movies go, I think this one makes me laugh. I'm not angry at the movie, like, when I watch it. I sometimes actually go and watch it just because I want a fun, bad movie. And I like Statham. So I would probably agree with a rating of, like, 5 out of 10. Because I don't hate it. I think it's bad. But at the same time, I'm entertained enough, I guess, a little bit. No, I think it's more a matter of I like to poke fun at the movie to just nitpick and say this is stupid this is bad oh look at her acting i just like to dissect the movie for all the bad that's in it more so than oh it's it's entertaining because it's not meg it's not mega entertaining is it there's not much action yeah like to be honest i would i would not have watched this movie like ever again probably if it wasn't for you i probably wouldn't watch it but I thought you would have like stronger opinions on how bad I mean, it is. This is bad. I just know it's bad. That's it. But you've given me nothing. No, I said I said like that. I think it's bad, and the like the one of the biggest reasons why I think it's bad is one not enough action thrill. You know the scary moments that you expect from a shark movie. Yeah. And then two is obviously the performance of the main actress. That's it. You know, those are the the two big things. That's why... And because I don't like that, and that's why I would never watch this movie ever again. And I I watched it only because you gave, gave me this as a task. And... Yeah, I don't think I'll ever watch it again. Okay. So yeah, I agree. Five. I I can agree. I don't think it's a good movie. I just think, yeah, yeah. no, it's got no redeeming qualities. I don't know why sometimes I like to inflict this t- uh, on myself, but I just like to watch it sometimes. <laughs> I think it's Statham. I like him. And I think he's having loads of fun in this movie. That's the one thing positive I can say. He looks like he's having fun. Him. And I also like the black scientist star because he had a few lines that made me laugh but I think because everything else was so badly written then yeah one good line and I'm gonna be you are the best actor um yeah I just think it would have been better if they had let 
Eli Roth do his own movie because I think that would have been something I would have liked more. I'm not saying it would have been great, but I'm saying it would have been more bloody. And I think I want that in a shark movie. I don't... Sometimes even shark movies can have bad acting. If the attacks are good, I might let it slide. You know what I mean? So let's say here, Li Bingbing is awful. But if the attacks had been better, if the tension had been better, I might overlook it. And then I don't like the happy ending of everybody survived and the shark is dead. And I'm not here to watch a Disney movie. I want something gory. And I did not get that. So yeah, I'll give it a 5 out of 10. What about you? Yeah, same. Five. But like, oh, yeah, but I think our 5s are different because if you want, like you're rewatching it. Which is surprising. But... Yeah, I'll give it a 5 plus and you give it a 5 minus. Yeah. I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's fair. Cool. All right, let's move to your one, the faculty. Yes, let's do that. The students at Harrington High have always suspected their teachers were from another planet. Is this going to be on the test? This is the test. This time, they're right. Now, these six students won't just question authority. They'll have to destroy it. Critics are calling it hip and scary. A thrilling ride from beginning to end. The Faculty. All right, Jess. So we're back, and now we're talking about my pick, which was The Faculty. So coming back to the stats, um... So IMDb score of 6.6 out of 10 and a Rotten Tomato score of 55% out of 100, which is uh, a bit better than uh, Meg. Not good enough, uh, I guess, for, but still um, pretty good. So the plot of the movie pretty much is uh, about a, is set in high school where a group of students uh, suspect the teaching staff, meaning the faculty, of being aliens, whose intent is uh, on turning students into aliens as well. So the movie uh, was released in December on December twenty fifth, nineteen ninety eight, which is which makes it a Christmas release. And so the movie sort of flopped in the um, box office, making like grossing a total of forty million dollars. And so some of the people actually attributed flop to this movie being released on, you know, Christmas period where people don't really want to see horror type of movie or scary movie. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, so in the box office, it sort of flopped. Genre, um, pretty similar, which is looking at the both IMDb and... Rotten Tomatoes genre says horror, sci-fi, and horror, sci-fi, mystery, which I can go, like, I can agree on all three of those. So horror, yes, sci-fi, yes, mystery, yeah, mystery, yes. I do as well. So why, I guess, why I picked the movie, um, as weird as it might sound, you know, with the score that bad, it's actually one of my, one of my favorite movies, if... Not the favorite one. Um, and the reason being is 
that I first saw that movie probably early 2000s, so it could be like 2001, 2002 on TV, which at that time I was about, I don't know, 12, 13. So being a 12, 13-year-old kid, that movie could be pretty scary. And, you know, just by the fact, you know, if you notice how the aliens get into you and how do you become an alien is by those mini tiny aliens go into your ear you know so seeing stuff like that like it's pretty disgusting horrific and you know like 12 year old you know so like that movie in itself like left a big I guess mark on me Mm -hmm. so that's why like to me it's it's like you know, because the favorite movie is not necessarily the best movie, but like something that kind of like sticks with you and leaves a sort of like impression, I guess. Yeah. So I think like the movie, like. I do remember loving this movie. Yeah. I love that movie. And, you know, another like, like very memorable scene from there was, um, if you remember the, the old lady in the shower, like where her f- hair or scalp was like falling off. It's pretty scary. So like, again, it, like being a 12, 13 year old kid, like seeing stuff like that, you know, it's going to leave a mark on you um, in a, in a, you know, good, bad way. But yeah, like that, that movie definitely. But I thought also it um, combined the comedy and the horror very well. So it was very funny but also there were scenes, like you said, that were pretty horrific to watch. Yeah. Um, that scene the, in the shower was like when I rewatched it for this podcast. Um, I forgot about this. And it, it's pretty grim. And I think you can tell they used a lot of practical effects. They do use CGI for some of the effects um, that haven't aged super well. But the practical effects have. And that is a strength, I think. Because that scene was still kind of scary now. In 2023, that was a pretty gross scene to have the hair. Yeah, so like you said, it is like, there is a bit of like comedy element, but I think it's just like, because it mixes like that whole, you know, teen, teen drama, you know, plus alien invasion. So it kind of made a really cool mix. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so like from that like perspective, it's an amazing movie. And then now... And now looking back at that movie, at some of the, like, casting of that movie, I think it was amazing cast. Yeah, the cast is brilliant. Yeah, for a 1998 movie, you know, you have, like, Elijah Wood, who's, like, famous for being, like, Lord of the Rings. You have Jon Stewart uh, uh, playing, you know, from Daily Show, playing as a professor. You know, you have Usher, the, the musician, you know, Selma Hayek. Um, Robert Patrick, who is in Terminator 2, you know, like he, his portrayal of the coach. I know. So badass. The coach is so yeah, good. Yeah, the coach is so... I think Josh Hartnett at the time also was super successful. He was the new thing. But then his career kind of stopped and he vanished. Yeah. But I think having Josh... For me, that was the... I, I remember at the time, my sister and I used to watch this movie and we watched it because of Josh Hartnett because we, we thought he was really cute. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, the whole cast is great because Elijah Wood was like this sweet. He's like, he looks like a child. Mm. Like, I, it's not his fault, but he does look like the sweet, innocent child. And just also Jordana Brewster, I think she was already starring in Fast and Furious by then, or was she not? Uh, I think it came after that. I think it came after that. I don't think she. I think maybe that movie. 
Or maybe, yeah, Fast and Furious came yeah, after. Yeah, I think Fast and Furious. It... I don't know. I think she's a good choice as well for this yeah. one. And Clea Duval is really good. Yeah. Yeah, she was very good in that movie as well. So, like, I think it's, like, for that movie, for that period of time, it's definitely, like, a triple A cast in my mind. Mm, it's a good yeah. cast. Um, I do think Salma Hayek is only there as a favor to Robert Rodriguez. Um, cause her cameo, so she's not got like a, a main role. She's basically yeah, a cameo in yeah, this movie, yeah, yeah. but it's fun to see her and be like, Oh, it's Salma yeah, Hayek. Exactly. Yeah. That was fun. So like, you know, and yeah, talking about the Robert Rodriguez who, who before faculty, he made a movie written by Quentin Tarantino called from dusk till dawn, you know, starring again, Salma Hayek. George Clooney, Quentin Tarantino, Danny Trejo, and and Juliette Lewis, who plays right now. I don't know if you've seen the show Yellow Jackets. Yeah, I don't like that. Um, I shouldn't say that, but I don't. I didn't like the first season. I thought it was very boring. Yeah, so she plays in that show. I think she plays good in the movie. She was amazing. So like, she's mm-hmm. she's great in the show. Yeah, she's great. So like the director, another amazing pick for the movie. So like. Looking at those kind of things, like if you just look at it on a paper, it should be ranked probably higher than 6.6. But then again, I think pretty good score. On paper, I don't think you can give the rating, but on paper, I would have thought he would have made a bigger impact or like have had more success. So it was surprising that it flopped based on the yeah. cast and the director yeah. and just also the production value. The movie is not like a B movie. Yeah. I don't think it is. It emulates a B-movie, but it, I think, you know, there's money behind it. Yeah. Um, so it it is surprising. And I didn't know it flopped because I think I was too young at the time to, to yeah, care about yeah. this. So it's later on that I understood that this movie didn't do well. And I was so surprised because I used to watch this on telly and just think it was brilliant. Yeah, me too. I, I watched it. Yeah, I watched it on television like many times. And, you know, I loved it. I loved it as a kid. And I'm surprised that I still to this day, I find many people who've never watched that movie. That is surprising to me. Yeah, that is very surprising. And again, amazing cast, amazing director. Um the director, like the Robert Rodriguez, he, he did have a, some hits, some misses. So he had like a bunch of like, he made like some kids shows, but he also made like, you know, the 2010 Predator. He made like recently, he made the, um, he directed the book of Boba Fett. He did Sin City. He did uh, Desperado. So like he had like a mix of different stuff and very interesting and very surprising that the movie flopped that it did i think robert rodriguez is quite close to quentin tarantino right so yeah yeah they are close. i don't know if you remember the double feature where you had tarantino's movie death proof i think with a car a guy in a car chasing a bunch of girls in another car and then there was uh, rodriguez's movie that was planet terror and i think i that movie for me was one of the best things I had ever seen. I thought it was so good. Um, and I think that's how I got into his cinema. Although by then I had seen The Faculty and I had seen Desperado. But I kind of never knew who directed them. I think I didn't care at the time. Mm. And after I saw Planet Terror, I was like, who directed this? And then wanted to see more of his work. But then recently... Spy Kids, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no offense, but not I. It's not that great, and I just don't know what happened with him because I think he had something, and for some reason it didn't work. 
And I think his thing and Tarantino's thing are fairly similar. I think they have a passion for the same things. And for some reason, Tarantino just, I don't know if he's better at directing or, but for some reason, Tarantino's career is much better than Robert Rodriguez's. But I still like some of his movies a lot. Yeah, I agree with you there. But yeah, um, on the interesting side, the they still have. So when I was looking at the um, for the stats, the movie, there's a Facebook page which is not a fan page. It's an actual Facebook page for the movie that okay. still to this day it sort of lives on. They don't do many posts there, so the last post was about a year ago. But still, it's very impressive that the movie still has, like, a huge following, you know, to these days. But, like, not many people at the same time, not many people know the movie. But usually, the people who do know the movie, the majority of them like the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm still yet to see a person who... Well, to be fair, Dave had not seen this movie, so I made him watch it. And he loved it. He thought it was very good, but he had not seen it. And I don't, I think, do you think it could be that it was popular outside of the US and the UK? And for some reason, because you had seen it as a, as a teenager, same for me. And I wonder if maybe, yeah, that's what I mean. So in the Ukraine and in Belgium, it was on the telly. I want to say twice a year. I feel like I've seen, I used to watch it twice a year or something. Every time it was on, we would watch it. And all of my friends would watch it and we would talk about it the next day at school. So I think somehow it was popular, I want to say outside of English speaking countries, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's it's bizarre to me because I know most of my friends know this movie and I know you knew, you knew the movie, yet Dave doesn't and he grew up in the UK and I feel like maybe it wasn't that popular in those countries. I don't know. Yeah, it's very, very strange, yeah. But yeah, it is surprising to me. Um, But yeah, like, some of the things, like, um, the movie that I also like, and which I found a bit, like, later on interesting. So, you know, remember the, um, one of the opening scenes where the principal gets killed? I think she was the first one that gets killed. In this movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the principal gets killed by the, um, by the coach. So the coach turned he was the first one to turn what well, she doesn't get killed well, he, right i mean yeah, 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 he, he yeah. Turns but her. she's the first one right after the co- coach well i think you you get the impression that she gets killed because i think she gets stabbed in the neck or something like that i think it, it was it was a very grueling kill there mm-hmm. i think she she got killed by like getting stabbed i feel like oh yeah she did yeah but then i uh, it's Okay, so throughout the movie, you do understand that even if you get injuries, as long as the alien stuff yeah, is you in you, yeah. you will recover. So I think they infected her and she didn't die from the wound, Yeah, if that makes sense. The, at, you know, at that moment, like, I remember this being a very gruesome kill. Yeah. And so that scene, like, when I was watching it, uh, it felt very, very scream-like. I don't know, to me... And scream by saying scream like I mean scream the movie scream yeah yeah I do you know I so know, it but... it had yeah uh, music you know that I don't see how though music so listen so like honestly it felt to me very scream like based on music the tension you know that dark scene so then I go to um, IMDb page and what do you know the writer for faculty 
also wrote Scream and Scream 2. Okay. So it's the same writer. And Scream 1 and Scream 2 came uh, 96 and 97. So they came sort of a year and a year before the faculty. Okay. And honestly, like, I don't know. Yeah, so maybe you haven't picked it up. But yeah, to me, like, that specific scene was very Scream-like. I did not get that from the scene, but... And it was interesting. Like, honestly, I went right after... I guess I do get the chasing. Yeah, the chasing. Because then he get he gets in the office, right? He talks to her and... Oh, no, she's leaving the school. I forgot. She's leaving the school after the meeting with the faculty members. And something chases her in the hallways. And, yeah, that felt a bit Scream-like in the sense that you can see the hunter, the person. So, in Scream, it would be Ghostface, but here it's the gym teacher. And yet yeah, he kind of like follows her, and there's the the struggle with opening yeah, the, the door as yeah, well, with the yeah, tension building, yeah. and he like open this door, open this door. And then he, yeah, oh, and then you know like that, open this door, and then uh, the teacher, like the the gym uh, coach, he stands like way back, and then he slowly starts to you know like run chasing her. So like the whole scene that that you know even when he first meets her, like the whole scene just very felt to me like very scream like. That's why yeah. I was and wasn't surprised when I when I looked it up and you had that the writer was it was the same writer for uh, faculty as the screen. That is cool. Uh, that is very cool. Um, I thought that I don't know if you picked up. Um, so the the as I mentioned earlier that you know this looked like a bit of teen drama in those late nineties, early two thousand movies, and so you've had that. Yeah. Uh, high school environment, you know, like, and it's social, uh, the system of social roles, you know, like you had that bad boy with the muscle car, you had the pretty girl with the, you know, being in the newspaper photographer. The yeah, the cheerleader. Mm. You know, you had the, the, the boyfriend who was a football guy, which strangely, I think, was not very typical that the, he somehow wanted to go to college on his smarts and not his sports. No. And his girlfriend was like, hey, you're too stupid. Yeah, just like, hey, you're too stupid. <laughs> yeah, you had the, the goofy guy, you know, who was being bullied. You had the emo girl. And then you had the new girl. Yeah. Right. So lots of characters. Very, you know, that it's sense very of breakfast very... club, I think, as well. Like, yeah. I don't know if you remember that movie, Breakfast Club, but for me, it was really reminiscent of each people belongs in a cast. Like, you're yeah. the nerdy one, you're the cheerleader, you're... But yeah, but I like that vibe, though. Yeah, I think yeah. because we watched it when we were teenagers, that was like an appeal of it. Yeah. It was like, oh, it's set in a school, fun. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But to me, the, the sports guy... No offense to the guy, but he doesn't look like your typical alpha male type for me had usher or like even josh harnett got yeah. in that role it would have made more sense than this random redhead that doesn't even look that bulky and he's supposed to be this superstar that sports superstar because he For, says yeah. like every sport i play I'm, I'm good at but you look like you could just you just like i don't know maybe the on the debate team or yeah, <laughs> but he was good though. I, I didn't think he was a bad actor. I just thought it's weird that they picked him for this character of alpha male guy when he mm. doesn't look like one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so what was was a weird pick maybe in that sense, but yeah, it still sort of portrays like the whole you know social system in in high school. Yeah. So 
in my mind, it was like, again, very interesting part of the movie was because of that. But yeah, like everything, like, again... Even the the soundtracks. Did you did you enjoy the soundtracks to the movie? Okay, uh, I feel like it was okay. I don't remember anything, so I don't think it left me with a lasting impression. But I think it was like popular songs, wasn't it? More so than an original soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. So so the first the for the first song there, I think it was the one of the opening scenes when they show the high school. It was by Offspring, which they. You know, it was a pretty popular band at that yeah, time. It was, um, but yeah, like I felt, you know, I felt, I felt like it was a very good mix of music as well, which like all those music, uh, which all the movies in in that period they had like those uh, punk rockish, mm-hmm. you know, especially those teen high school uh, movies had those those similar music yeah. uh, picks, but yeah, but yeah. Like um, the movie did get nominated for a bunch of awards. Okay. Um, both the movie and the actor. So Elijah Wood was nominated for a favorite actor in a horror movie, which I mean he didn't win it, but I think it would it would have been a, a good pick if he did. When I I don't know what were the other picks, but I think it was like his performance in the movie was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um. So Robert Rodriguez again was nominated for um, Latino director. That is weird. Film. Why do you have a category for Latino director? Why can't he just be nominated as a director? Do you know what I mean? Why have a different c- c- uh, category based on your ethnicity or what? <laughs> that makes no sense. But okay, no. thanks Hollywood. Okay. So the movie was nominated for best horror film. Again, did didn't win anything. It was a good pick, I think. Um, but yeah, it was like a, a bunch of different, different uh, nomination categories that the movie was nominated. Didn't win anything, which uh, again, I guess it's a flop on their end. If if they if they maybe if they did maybe there would have been a a good promotion like to promote it against other you know TV channels, TV stations. So I think you did mention that it wasn't your first time watching it, right? No. So watching it right now for you know for the podcast, was there anything that you picked something new that you haven't noticed before? I guess so based on how many movies I have seen uh since the first time I ever watched this one, there was a scene in particular um, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but at some point they do a test to see if they are infected by the alien species because they notice that if they use this um, drug that Zeke, so Josh Harnett, creates in his own homemade lab, mm-hmm. uh, it will kill the alien species because it dries them out or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So basic, and so they do a test amongst themselves, the group of, not friends, but they end up together because they're the only ones infected. And they say we need to make sure none of us are infected and each one of them is going to try and sniff that drug and hopefully they don't die. And that, for me, reminded me of a scene in a movie, an old movie from John Carpenter called The Thing. I don't know if you've seen that. It's based in, I think, Antarctica or the Arctic, one of them. Yeah, I, I remember the movie, but I don't remember like any anything specific about that. Okay, well, in the movie, there's also an alien or a species that is able to duplicate a being. So if you are infected, it's going to create a replica of yourself and and just, you know, that's how it um, survives and multiplies. Yeah. Yeah. So 
they and they realize that the speech so, so if you take a sample of the blood and i think they use fire or something to so they test the blood basically so that they, they bring a flame close to a sample of your blood and if your blood reacts weirdly so the blood is going to get away from the flame that means you're infected and there's a thing a scene in the movie where the base of scientists is going to have to do a test. So they test all of themselves to make sure none of them are infected. And for me, the the scene in the faculty where they test with a drug is the kind of is similar to that scene in the the thing mm. where they test also to make sure they're not infected by and it's a very tense scene because and I think in the faculty it was a little bit tense because you suspect that one of them might be infected, but you start wondering which one. And obviously there's these two characters. So the girl, the new girl, the blonde one, I forgot her yep. name already, Mary yeah, Beth. Mary Beth. And yeah. then, so there's this character and she's a new girl that just arrived at the school the day it all started. So it's a bit fishy. But then there's also the other girl, the cheerleader, who... They both refuse to do the test at first, and the, the mm-hmm. cheerleader, yeah. the, the other people mention, but you've also changed, like, today you're wearing glasses, and you're not your usual self, and so you feel like there's tension between them two, and who's gonna... Mm-hmm. So I thought, it, for me, it was really reminiscent of um, that scene in The Thing. But also, I think in hindsight, so watching it now, like I said, I think a lot of the practical effects are still super good. They have not aged. Mm -hmm. So the tension for me and the horror still works today. I think the only letdown is the end. So when the creature, the queen, is revealed at the end, I think the CGI there is a bit shit. Because obviously that's CGI and it's all CGI. Same with the teacher, Famke Jensen's character who loses her head and then her head like mm, sprouts mm, tentacles <laughs> and mm. just walks back to the body and that also looks a bit a bit dated but overall i didn't get a feeling of this is an old movie and nothing is yeah. working anymore i just felt it was still super effective i was scared at times a little bit or like tensed and i did remember like in my mind i was like i'm sure one of them so the let's say the hero gang one of them is infected i feel like i remember one of them is the queen (laughs) but i couldn't remember who and so i was trying to do a deduction cluedo kind of method and i did land on mary beth because i was like she's the most bizarre of them all because she seems too nice and too unbothered and doesn't Mm -hmm. and just pokes at them all the time to try and and get them to fight amongst each other i don't know so i felt she was suspicious to me um i didn't think the the queen was the coach because throughout the movie you think oh it's the coach it's obviously the coach he's the one but no well i think yeah Throughout the movie, they, the characters themselves, they suspected the principal. Yeah, but that makes sense. Because I think the principal was the first one to... Yeah, because she... No, the principal disappeared for a while. Yeah. Because they were asking, like, where's the principal? Where's the principal? So the principal disappeared, and then the principal comes back when I think school already was starting to get infected. So maybe that's why they thought that the principal was... You know, well, um, it makes sense yeah. that they believe that, but for us, for the audience, we know yeah, that yeah. the coach was infected prior to the... So we know they're wrong. However, we don't know for sure that the coach is... So, like, there is doubt, but you do know, you feel like no, that that would be too easy if the coach was the, the queen alien that they have to kill. 
there's also a scene at the end. So they're, tr- they're battling all the aliens. And uh, there's a scene in the swimming pool where Clea, the Vol's character, I forgot her name. So the the girl that's like a rebel, Stokely, I think. Stokely, Stokes. yeah, Stokes. She, um, she ends up in the swimming pool and she fights the queen alien, so Mary Beth, under like an alien form. And for some reason... She managed to she manages to get away, and as she has left the swimming pool, she then is an alien. So it's revealed like a few minutes later that she's been infected. But I didn't understand how she got infected because it didn't seem for me that in the pool there was time for the queen to infect her. Um, um, so it kind of for me came a bit of left field. That one I just was like, and why is she infected? If you go back to the scene with John Stewart. You know when when Elijah Wood brings that box thingy, they put them the box thing in the tank, water tank. You know that mm-hmm. thing becomes alive in water, and it looked like yeah that normal fully formed bug. So I think that's how the queen bee could have infected her in a pool, because in the pool that's kind of where those things like you know crawl out and become very lively. Yeah. So I think I don't know. I think for me the scene showed her getting away and not she wasn't even like touched by the alien. So it felt a bit forced for that so that in the next scene obviously. No, no. She wasn't touched, but then no, no. I think maybe you forgot because in that scene she does get dragged into the pool. Yeah. She runs away, then she falls, and then that's where the the big thing pulls her inside the pool, and then the next yeah. scene they show already her being infected. Yeah, but like at the so the very last scene, not the very last scene, but when Elijah Wood's character fights the alien at the end and it uh, <laughs> stabs him with a pen full of drug. And the alien kind of throws up a lot of bugs on his face and we mm. see the, the bugs crawling inside his face. So for me, it looks like the way to get infected would be for the alien to throw up bugs on you, basically. Yeah. And I didn't see that. So them grabbing you by your ankle with their tentacles wouldn't infect you. You would need to get bugs thrown at you somehow. Yeah, so, and I didn't so that, see that, that happening with... Stokes. No, but they they did show her being dragged. So when she falls, yeah, dragged, but not. She was nowhere near close the mouth of the alien. So how did she get infected with the little bugs? When did that happen? Yes, she uh, 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 she got dragged inside the pool together with the alien, with the queen bee. They were inside the. But pool, we I see think. the underwater was seen, and she swims away, kind of. Uh... There's no moment under the water where we see the bug. Throwing up yeah, little I mean, bugs yeah, we, on we, stoves. We don't see that. Yeah, yeah, we don't see that. So for me, that was a bit forced. The fact that she she all of a sudden is infected, but it's it it doesn't take away from the movie because that scene is kind. Of, she's like dealt with fairly quickly. Mm. It doesn't become a massive plot, you know, tangent. Yeah. Um, it's not being dragged out for too long. Yeah, no, she. It's just like so. The queen the alien is confronting Elijah. And then Stokes is next to Elijah. And you think at that point she's still one of the good guys, but then he stabs her in the... She... Oh, no, he doesn't stab her. But she's an alien anyways. Mm. But, yeah, I liked most of the characters, to be fair. I think they were all portrayed well, and they seem to have a lot of fun. And I think for once, it's the kind of movie where you have to go deep into the cliches of... You know, the jock and the cheerleader and the rebel and the nerdy. 
So it doesn't matter that they're massively cliched. Um, I think Josh Arnett was really good as well as this weird drug dealer. Yeah. That's yeah. apparently super smart, but he is repeating the years for some reason. Still don't know yeah, why. Yeah, yeah. I think because he failed, he failed like the the last year of school, so they made him like reset the. Um, yeah, but how can he fail? Like he seemed to know everything. Well, he seemed to know everything in chemistry, I guess, or biology. But I guess to pass high school. Well, there's a scene also in literature class with Famke Jensen, like the mm. teacher, where she asked him what's Crusoe's ideal. Yeah, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. She asked him a question about a book and he takes the piss a little bit, but then he gives her an actual elaborate answer. And so you know he's a smart character, but it doesn't matter. It's not a whole thing. Like, we don't delve into the psychology too much. We don't care whether he's repeating the year or not. It doesn't matter to me at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah I did like the, the, the scene with the buses. So when they're trying to get to the Zeke's car, so the drug dealer... Mm-hmm. And so yeah. he takes a decoy with him. And I thought that was like that was tense. I was expecting someone to get infected or to die. Yeah. I think this movie is very reminiscent of the body snatchers mm. type of movies. Isn't there also a movie called The Body Snatchers? Isn't that a movie? I think there, I think there is a movie. I think if you just name any word that could be a movie. You know, like these days there's so many movies. It is a movie, nineteen ninety-three. Body Snatchers, but there's also the one I'm referring to is Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and that's all, that's 1956. Uh, it's definitely the vibe of, like, this alien species that invades your body, and so they control you, but you look like you, so nobody is suspecting that there's an alien invasion going on. I like I like that as a premise, so that's always something that's gonna pique my curiosity for sure. aliens? Alien invasion? No, I mean invasion of the um, body snatchers. Uh, uh, no, uh, I thought you may you mean like you like the. But idea I'm I'm fairly sure it's like an alien species. Yeah, because usually in those things, it's like an alien species that's invading the earth, right? Yep. Much yep. like here. Do you do you enjoy watching alien movies at all? I do. I love it, but I, <laughs> I think it's because for me it's like the un- unknown. So the threat is unknown. Therefore, I know. I don't know, actually, if it's possible or not. Whereas, I'm going to give you an example. I don't like movies about ghosts because I don't believe in it. So it's never scary to me because I don't believe it could happen. However, aliens, I don't know. Like Space is a massive unknown. We've explored almost none of it. So, of course, there could be some sort of a species that's horrible. Mm. I'm thinking Alien the movie. Because that's the worst, the xenomorphs. Jesus, <laughs> fuck, no thanks. But yeah, I love aliens because it's a threat that is credible enough for me to get into it and get really scared by it, as opposed to something that I don't believe is possible. Therefore, it doesn't affect me. I don't believe for one second that could hurt me. I don't care. That's why I'm not into like the Conjuring or or the whatever the franchise Annabelle, the the killer mm-hmm. doll, because I don't believe that's possible. But aliens, I like. Yeah. Same with the sharks, though. That's why I like shark movies, because it's a a threat that's credible, as opposed to something that's just nonsense. I mean, uh, I'll agree with you on the whole alien stuff. I'm not really... A, I don't really like ghost movies, but yeah, aliens is a big, big yes for me. Yeah. Same thing, like, so one of the... Um, like, in general, one of the genres that I'm always drawn to, if I see a movie that has based on a true story and a title 
I'm sold. Like, because I know, like, it's very something, yeah, yeah. Credible, relatable, you know. But you know that when they say based on a true story, usually that means 20% of the movie is based on the true story and the rest is fiction. Oh, okay. As long as it has, like, (laughs) based on a true story, I'm like, okay, I'm watching that, I'm sold. But then they say that about Chainsaw Massacre. There was They said in the marketing at the time, based on a true story. It kind of isn't. There is, it's loosely based on the murders by Ed Gein, but even then, he wasn't hunting people with a chainsaw. So I'm wary of the title based on a true story. I don't think... I Yeah, but I don't think in that movie they actually say based on a true they story. They did in the marketing and they did in the trailers based on the shocking true story. And so that's why people went to watch it. And it's loosely based yeah, on I mean, it. You, I don't remember that. But. The very first one, like the old one, 1970-something. I do remember that because that's why I watched it. I don't think I've even seen it. Because <laughs> I was like, wait, what? A guy killed people with a chainsaw. I'm going to watch that. And then it's not. But it's still a good movie. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm saying sometimes based on a true story is a lie in the sense that it's loosely based on a true story. But we've taken a lot of liberties with this story. I mean, yeah, it makes sense, yeah. Because this one could even say, based on a true story, in terms of, like, the dynamics in the school. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that exists. Yeah. But not the alien part. But loosely based. Loosely based. <laughs> Did you notice any plot holes in the movie? Well, like I said, for me, the one with the swimming pool, like, where she suddenly got a fa- infected and I didn't really understand how. There's not many scenes where I went, what is going mm. on? Because I think it explains, it sets the rules fairly quickly on. You understand fairly quickly what's going on. They set the stage with the salt or like Mm -hmm. the drug is going to affect them because they need a lot of water. So, you know, that's the rule number one. There are not many plot holes. I guess the fact that the parents, so that could be a plot hole that... The parents, so like at the beginning, there's a scene where the two, the girls, um, Jordan and Brewster and then Elijah Wood, they call the police because they got trapped in the mm-hmm. closet and there was yeah. a dead body there. And so they call the police. And of course, the faculty cleans up. And so when the police comes, it looks like they've been lying, right? And so the parents are called in. And I think it's a bit weird that in this movie, but I think it's the side of the movie, but we don't see more of the parents wondering whether the score is is okay because weird stuff is going on. But I wonder if maybe a lot of the town has been infected already by that point and therefore the parents won't care. But I also know it's it's not the point of the movie. Yeah, you don't yeah. want to see scenes with the parents. That's not the point. So, I mean, there is a question to wonder, but yeah, I wouldn't put it as a, as a plot hole. Yeah, because you do think like... No, it's not a plot hole. It's more... Like what what happens on the side, you know? But especially Elijah Wood's parents seem fairly involved. Like they're upset at the fact that he lied or like that he put the school in a bad light and then they get home and there's a whole scene with him being home with the parents mm-hmm. like confiscating all his stuff. The porn. I just think if they're that involved... Maybe they should care more about the fact that some the principal has disappeared for a few days and then came back and was fine. And some other weird stuff is happening on the school grounds. But at the same time, it's really not the point yeah. of this movie. It's meant to be a teenage high school drama, not drama, comedy horror. Um, but then at that point, why introduce the parents at all? I don't know. To make it more realistic. And I also don't understand when 
Jordana Brewster's character, so Delilah, the mm -hmm. the cheerleader, when she was infected. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they show that. They don't, and so for me, that's a bit like an unknown. Was she infected? Because we know the police gets infected by the the school principal. Could it be that maybe Delilah had to go to the office later with her parents and at that point the office, the police was in on it and they all infected her family? I don't know. So it kind of comes out of nowhere when they test each other and she's mm -hmm. infected and you're like, what? Yeah. Based on when? It wasn't a big plot hole. I think the fact that they didn't show, we never knew uh, when she was infected, that was actually a good thing. Because then, then everybody, I'm sure everybody who watched this, like for those, like what, uh. um, you know, it's one of those. Yeah, but it's easy to create that effect if you if you don't give me the tools or the keys to understand. So it's easy to create this instant of surprise if you create a scene out of nothing. So if you if you infect someone that we hadn't seen on screen. I just, it's it's easy to me. It's easy writing where I would have preferred a scene that hints maybe at her. So maybe when Elijah Wood leaves the office, we would have seen her walking with her parents. And then we know it's like, oh, fuck, because we know the police is infected and the principal, everybody else is infected. So we would have known at that point her walking in the school would probably mean that she gets infected. But we don't see yeah, that. And so if you, would have, if you would have seen that, you would have like 99% assumed that she is infected. Yeah, I understand that he wanted us to not know in the test blood testing or like the drug taking scene. Did he doesn't want us to know who's the who's infected. But I feel like there would have been a better way to create that tension than just have her being infected off screen and then out of the blue, oh look at her, she's infected. Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe some a scene where there was a struggle with the aliens and they seem to get out okay, but we don't know for sure. Something. Or maybe she got infected in the teacher, like so in the science lab when they fight the teacher. It's possible. I don't know. I don't know. But for me, it did feel like, oh, that's come out of nowhere. Why? When did she get infected? I was a bit surprised. Other than that, I think there, were, there weren't that many plot holes, to be honest. Okay, what was the one thing you didn't like about the movie? Unless you loved it mm, as much as I. I guess the CGI, the old CGI. Yeah. yeah, I think. I think at the end, like it's not, it's not that good. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think the whole scene with just, but it's just the, the monster itself. Uh, I think it wasn't. I don't think monster was very believable. I guess if if that makes sense. You mean the design of the creature? Um, I think the design of the creature, the way it, like, kind of moved, behaved, like, I don't know, I just didn't like that part, mm. but, yeah, I think, I think, like, the scene, the last scene where, you know, like, he catches the creature, and then we see just him, like, face to face that the creature was fine, but, like, kind of everything else. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, everything else before that was, was a bit, like... Looked a bit weird. I think that last shot with him and the creature is a practical yeah. effect. I think they built some kind of so that creature looks good, whereas the CGI one looks all CGI-ish. I think the design though of the creature, I didn't mind. I thought it was alright. It was scary enough. So for me, I wouldn't say the design was bad. It's not xenomorph good, but it's good. Um, one thing I don't understand. So they established that the creatures they fear anything that's going to dry them out. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you just pour, like, salt on them? 
Why do you have to create this? Because they get this, this whole plot where they are running out of the drugs mm-hmm. that Zeke created. Just get a bag of salt. I feel like that would accomplish the same because salt kills slugs. So <laughs> I think it would do the same action. It would just dry them out. Um. For me, that was a bit silly. You don't have to have a drug lab to kill these aliens. You can just go to your nearest Tesco's and get some salt, but okay. I mean, when you're in high school... And... You can go to a shop and buy salt when you're in high school. Yeah, you don't. Th- I don't think you think about that stuff. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? If if it says, so. "Oh, something needs to dry them out," wouldn't your mind say, "Salt"? No. <laughs> what the fuck? You come from the Ukraine. You know as much as I do that when it snows, what do they put on the snow and the yeah. ice? Yeah, they put uh, exactly uh, salt. Well, salt, salt, or sand. Yeah, actually, sold or sand. Yeah, but sand is harder to find in the shop. Like, I don't know where I would go and buy sand. I know where I would go Guns. and buy salt. And I think you would have salt at home. So for me, that was a bit bizarre that they had to stick to this one drug that they had a li- limited amount of instead of getting bags of salt. Well, I, maybe maybe they're not street smart. Seems like it's it. It's a salt thing. No, but for, <laughs> that's not a plot hole per se. I just, I asked, yeah. I turned to them and I was like, why are they not using salt? I guess it would have made the movie too easy because you can't have unlimited amount of like your weapon against the alien. Otherwise, there's no tension. Therefore, with the drugs, yeah. you knew that they were running out and it was becoming stressful, sort of. But yeah, for me, it's good though. I like it. I don't think there are many plot holes. I'm nitpicking here, but I don't think these things bothered me when I watched the movie. I just was entertained. Yeah. And I thought it was funny and it aged well. I think the horror aged well. The humor aged well as well um the cast is fun because when you see it now in 2023 it's fun to see all of these faces again because some of them we don't see often anymore on screen so for me that was good yeah yeah so i don't know do you have any last remarks about the movie i don't know about the last remarks it's not a remark it's more i'm more sad about the fact that this is what Robert Rodriguez could do. And he's done a few things we've mentioned that were really good. And I'm sad that we haven't seen anything great from him since. Because I think his mind, like, he had a flair for, like, fun horror movies. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like he's lost his way a little bit. So I, to me, that's a, when I see this movie, and I know it's directed by him, that's what I think of. I'm, I'm just sad that I haven't seen more from him that was as entertaining or as good. And I think at this at this point we won't see much more from him. So you're saying that Spy Kids is not entertaining enough for you? I haven't even seen them. I feel like, yes. dude, have you seen the just the CGI in the trailer is shocking. I ain't gonna watch that. Got no time. Uh, it was fun to see Robert Patrick as the coach so, again, like a killing machine that's got no emotions because it's been mm, it's not an, yeah. a human anymore. That was fun. There were so many little eggs for me just seeing Salma Hayek in the movie. And she's not, it's not like they announce her name on screen early on. So when you see her, you're like, ah, it's her. And you know she's there because she's friends with uh, the director. So it was fun. Lots of fun stuff. I think all the nods to all the other movies like Terminator or Breakfast Club or Stepford Wives as well. It gives me a vibe of that. All of that was fun. I don't think it's a mess. I don't understand why, because I've read stuff that said um, 
this movie is kind of a mess of a movie because it tried to include too many things into one. But for me, I think it worked. I just, I, I liked it. And even now, I don't want to say bad things about it because I still watched it and was really entertained. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I think the movie aged pretty well. I think, like, other than, you know, nitpicking on a, a bit of CGI at the end, I think the movie yeah. aged pretty well. Like, I still like it. I still love it. I still think that it's, like, one of my favorite movies. And, hmm. you know, I wouldn't be surprised if I rewatch it again maybe not anytime soon but you know in the next five years or yeah maybe in five years you know it's 2023 right now and yeah. 2028 mm -hmm. it's gonna be what like uh, 20 20 years old yeah wait so the movie came out in 1998 right yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah it would be uh, so it 30. 30 years old at that point yeah wow that's insane yeah, yeah. so right now it's all it's like 25 year old 25 and it's yeah. still for me is better than some of the stuff that came later, but that relied so much on CGI that now when you watch it, it's absolute garbage. Whereas this one, I think, stands yeah. the test of time. And I love it. I still, I loved it. And I was a bit wary when you assigned it to me, because uh, I, I remember liked, liking it when I was a like not a child, a teenager, I want to say. And I was worried that watching it now with a different mindset or perspective would wait like spoil it that i wouldn't like it as much and it would be a bit sad mm. but it didn't i had a lot of fun watching it unlike the meg which to be fair i think the meg is fun to watch but not for the same reasons i think this one is fun because it's well made the meg is so shit that it's fun to watch because you make fun of it yeah. so yeah this one i would give a rating of i'm gonna say 7.7 .7 out of 10 i would i think i like it even more than you do so i would give it an eight I would give it an 8, easy. I think maybe I'm a bit biased. Yeah, you might be biased, because 8 is a lot. Like Yeah, I think I might be biased just because, you know, I, I, like, I love the movie. Yeah. And I just like I said at the beginning, it just left a lot of like good, amazing, you know, like memories with yeah. me. And, I think know, that plays I'll, a part in it. Because yeah. definitely, we might be both biased, because we both of... Both of us watched it when we were younger and we liked it when we mm. were younger. So I think both of us have decided that it was good. But I think even people that hadn't seen it, so Dave liked it and he had not seen it before. So he doesn't rely on the same first impression that we do. Mm. It, I don't think he would give it a seven, but it's fun enough for me. I recommend this movie. If you haven't seen it, I yeah, think you yeah, should because yeah. it's definitely a good one. Yeah. And it's fun. It's got loads of nods to a lot of other movies and the horror is good. The tension is good. All of it works. I like it. So I guess in the battle today, the the Meg versus the faculty, I think the faculty wins this round. Yes, I agree with you. I think definitely. Yeah. Faculty is our pick for the, for for this. Um, yeah. This round. Unless you want a really bad shark movie, if that's your thing. Yeah. <laughs> the Meg is for <laughs> if you. If that's your thing, then yeah, stick with the Meg. Yeah, the faculty wins this one. Do you want to do the? Next assignment. The reveal? Yes. Okay, Jess, for your next assignment to watch is another... It's a 2010 movie. Okay. It's called Tucker and Dale versus the Evil. Okay. Have you ever seen it? I have seen it. Okay, cool. Uh, for you, okay, I've been going back and forth. So I'm going to assign you a new Netflix series called Beef, starring Ali Wong and Stephen Yun. I don't know if you've seen it. Have you seen it? Or 
I have not seen it. Okay. Uh, like I've seen the I've seen the advertisement in my timeline okay. on Netflix. I haven't seen it, but yeah, I guess we'll just talk about it next time. All right. Amazing. On that note, thank you, our listeners, and um, until next time. Bye. Bye.